Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this month. This is a Force Center podcast feed. It's our big show. It's our main show. It's our super starter story of our fleet. I'm Ken Napson. And I am Joseph Scrimshaw. I am happy to jump into our Bakta tank of talk. Yay. <laughs> it's so healing. Just, just <laughs> oozes all over you. <laughs> yes, let's get some healthy ooze going. Mm. Yes, indeed. This is our news and cues episode. That means news and Joseph. That means questions coming up in a bit. You 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 uh, you, you built some good, pulled some good ones today. When I have to make a lot of notes, like a lot, like ooh, let me let me ooh, erase that, may change that note. It's a good time. Oh yeah, no, this one is is a good one. This one was definitely like, okay, you have made too many notes. So mm. my process is pick which ones to delete. 
That's the lesson of writing, kids. Pick which one to delete. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, too bad you can't just write the whole thing and then delete it. That's easy. That's the easy way of writing. Just write yeah. it, delete it. That might have been my entire 20s as a screenwriter. <laughs> Yeah, but there are some great uh, uh, cues or questions, as you said, which I like that pronunciation. Questions, indeed. Before we get to all that, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, one of our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And then this offer, Joseph. That's right. Insight Editions, are, they're a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books and other pop culture books. They're offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. You can get your discount by entering the coupon code FC35, or you can visit the website with this specific link, insighteditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are once again recommending the Insight Editions book, Secrets of the Jedi. It's got a little pullout sheet where you can learn Orabesh, and then you can decode secrets that the Jedi are saying. Spoiler, most of the secrets are famous quotes from movies. But still, it's fun to pretend that they're secrets. I love that book very much. And uh, The Secrets of the Sith, the companion book written from Sheev's perspective, is coming out very soon. So if you want to check out Secrets of the Jedi or any other book that Inside Editions has to offer, you can check it out with that code FC35. Check them out. These are wonderful. Read them, study them, and then display them on your coffee table books. I love those. <laughs> I need a bigger coffee table. Yes, don't we all, don't we all. FC35 is a code there. Uh, before we get into the news, we'll always catch up uh, on Star Wars and life adventures. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Joseph, as always, life gets so busy, sometimes you have to stop and pause and ask yourself, what Star Wars adventures did I have? <laughs> did you have any? Uh, I did, and I, in fact, had that question. It was it, I, I was uh, yesterday, Sunday, as uh, we record on Mondays, uh, my wife and I went for a nice walk in our neighborhood, and we were just kind of talking about the week and what was coming up. And I suddenly had that, oh, no, did I have any Star Wars adventures? And I didn't even say it out loud. I thought it. And then a, a woman rounded the corner from the block that we were walking on uh, with a massive Grogu shirt. <laughs> yes. Just like it's, it said Star Wars. And it was just like this just explosion of bright colors. And then Grogu just kind of like standing right in front like he was like, Hi, I am Star Wars. <laughs> didn't even say the child, didn't say Grogu, didn't say Baby Yoda. It was just Star Wars. And he's Star like, yep. It, it was like you visited the country Star Wars. And he was there <laughs> when you stepped off the plane to greet you. And I thought that was really funny. I was just like, do I have any Star Wars adventures? Well, it's everywhere. The will of the force heard me. And this woman turned the corner. Um, <laughs> and then I realized that I had been kind of having a Star Wars adventure. Because I was like, God, this feels like there's something. So, um... I've been having infrastructure three months, not week. I've mm -hmm. uh, been trying to fix all of my technology. I go a very long time between uh, computers and phones. I finally got new phone, new computer. I've uh, been slowly setting them up. Uh, and as a part of that, I got a year, a free year subscription to Apple TV. Yeah. Or Apple Plus or whatever it is. <laughs> Apple Bonanza. <laughs> Apple Fun Times. Whatever the actual name is. Apple Max. Uh, and anyway, uh my wife and I had watched the uh, Long Way Down show that Ewan McGregor does with uh, Charlie Borman. Uh, we, we have yet to watch Long Way Round, the first one, but we watched Long Way Down, which was great. And then it was an Apple exclusive, this uh, Long Way Up, uh, where they're driving from the bottom of uh, South America uh, all the way up to L.A. 
And this was recorded just a couple of years ago. Uh, and it was really fun to watch going like, where is it in the whole Kenobi? <laughs> Your yeah. fuffle of like, he's got this, he's got. This. So uh, anyway, long story short, uh, it is really fun to watch his relationship with Star Wars yeah. and the world's relationship with Star Wars. Mm hmm. Uh, because he makes a lot of jokes, like he, like every once in a while he'll he he realizes that he says something that's kind of close to a Star Wars thing, and then he'll go like, "Ooh, use the Force," you know, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he's trying to kind of have a a sense of humor about it. Um, he's obviously he he would obviously be super famous if he never did Star Wars, right? I mean, yeah. Train Spotting, yeah. Moulin Rouge, you know, countless big films uh, that he's been involved in, but the power of Star Wars is so amazing, like um. They'll visit, you know, uh, smaller communities that, you know, are not as uh, tapped into uh, the pop culture that we know, so they won't know him. But then he was like in a cafe in Ecuador and there was just a massive line like it was he's not going to be able to get out of the cafe. (laughs) And he he very kindly did this whole big um, he did a, a meet and greet line and took photos with everyone so he's like he's really he's really centered on like he knows that this is a big thing for a lot of people right yeah um and he's and he's trying to be such a great ambassador of it and that's just it's just a really fun thing to see so we were thinking about that we were talking about that there's also like you know still every once in a while certain people have the like yeah the prequels aren't that good and like okay yeah. well there's literally global disagreement <laughs> uh with that or or he would not be that famous uh yeah there's a moment where he gets through a border crossing because he's obi-wan kenobi it's sure. like real world impacts right um yeah but then the the thing that really cracked me up is there was an actual problem with the trip and he just said, I've got a bad feeling about this. And he was clearly, to me, it was a moment where he was clearly stressed about an actual problem. He wasn't being cheeky or having fun. I think he'd just forgotten that moment that that's one of your famous lines from Star <laughs> that's Wars. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So just, it was a lot, uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, I really love that show for lots of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's a little Star Wars bonus to really, really see this interesting, complicated, uh, uh, thoughtful person who is an actor who is a human being and has this relationship to this giant enormous thing that is star wars yeah i mean i can't separate him and you know we're part of the generation that definitely knew him before those movies definitely definitely yeah and it's forever i it's so funny too you uh uh i forgot charlie borman is in that son of john borman yeah uh which is so i saw excalibur last week for the first time ever in my life and now i can't escape that movie and, and, and I, I was obsessed with it and just just biz, bizarre movie that it is and big epic 81 picture but that's i didn't i when you had mentioned the show before on and off air I, I know you're a fan of the show it's like i never connected it to borman charlie borman excalibur excalibur center coming soon excalibur, well i would love that that would be great yeah no i i, uh, I know when i talked about it before people were like you gotta watch long way around and, and we're going to that's the first one but um yeah mm-hmm. these these three uh, basically travelogues really really fascinating really cool right. interesting stuff and this uh this one uh long way up just beautiful the cinematography is mm. it's really gorgeous love it i love a good travelogue especially if there's a hamburger involved at one point. <laughs> there's so much good food this show is making me so hungry ken Oh, I imagine so. <laughs> so that was my Star Wars adventure. Oh. Uh, a Grogu shirt and uh, seeing Ewan McGregor's reflections on being a part of Star Wars uh, in a show utterly unrelated to Star Wars. Uh, yeah. What are your adventures? You know, my very simple, straightforward, nothing it's over 
you know, Star Wars didn't dominate my life this week other than uh, on two two things. Uh, one, I definitely want to get your experiences and opinion on. First one, I was uh, out at uh, the comedy store this weekend just watching um, comedy, hanging out with Mark Ellis in honor, kind of a little belated birthday thing. And a lot of folks from the Schmodown came over and, and uh, you know, I don't, I'm not really in that world as much anymore. So you, you're going to catch up. And a lot of people, a lot of people still want to know what you think about Rise of Skywalker or what you think about Mando, which I mean, that's a wonderful conversation to have and wonderful to have any, any opinion you or I have on those films be valued or, or wanted, whether or not uh, they're agreed with or not. But when you ask me that question and I've got five rum and Cokes in me, because I try to keep it simple, <laughs> rum and Cokes, I, I, I don't do whiskey too much if I, unless I'm in my own house these days. Uh, then you'll get some, re- I, I turn into perhaps the, the angry, positive car guy I don't want to be. <laughs> And I'm just really passionate about my love of that movie, I guess. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. So you're saying like you're you're like uh, uh, you and your rum are like, here's why it's great. Damn it. Here's why it's great. And then some people ask me, you know, OK, but yeah, do you, you know, do you think it connects? And, 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 and you know, you and I really value other people's opinions here in Force Center. We really want this to be a place for. Our ideas don't always necessarily meet, need to meet your ideas in, a, in an intersection of compromise. They can, we can be on our own paths. We're okay with that. But I just, I just, my my grumpiness comes out of of just some of the dishonest, disingenuous disco, disingenuous discourse that's out there. I think a lot of us are in that boat, and uh, that was. So I probably should apologize. I'm, you know, I'm glad no one maybe videotaped it. I, I, you know, I just was like, <laughs> I'm done with a lot of these conversations, and I went home and I, I thought about it all day Sunday of just like. Man, this is the this is the Yoda lesson. Is, is Dark Side stronger? No, quicker, easier, more seductive. You you put a rum and coke in my hand or five, I take the dark side, which is closing off conversations. It's pr- it's pretty fist on table, and I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about it. So I I ruminated on that Sunday. Like let yeah. me make sure I'm not. I don't want to become the enemy that we were fighting. Well, let me, I I think that is uh, I think that is uh, noble and good uh, <laughs> and uh, really really trying to take the wisdom of many characters, including Padme. There, uh, yeah. you had a, a Padme Sunday. Um, mm. How how was your uh, passionate, uh, perhaps slightly uh, uh, strongly worded uh, yeah. opinion received? Were people like, "Whoa," or were they like, "You're full of crap," or they like, "Interesting." I mean, luckily, <laughs> no, they, know, they know me enough. To know that's probably either listen or have worked with me enough to know that this is probably what I think, you know, um, some of them just laugh and, and others have great follow ups. OK, well, what, you know, what do you mean by that? But I'm also in no position. I've been there. I can't tell you, Joseph, how many times I just go, hey, listen to Scripture's thing on Ray's journey. <laughs> let's just listen to it. Like, I might as well just have an audio copy that I can just text people right away. Uh, I do that off because, you know, you know, I don't have the, the ability for a uh, good well thought out, you know, talking points does not a does not a appear to you magically on the on a porch at a, at a comedy club in LA with a drink in hand. Uh, so there's a lot of that. So a lot of it's done with amusement and everything. But then you know, I, I go away, drive home, wake up the next day. And you're like, oh God, I hope I just didn't say anything that would turn anyone off to having a conversation about Star Wars with anyone. Yeah, well, I doubt it. I mean, the, particularly uh, um, the community of Schmodown is you know all grows out of people who want to have passionate discussion about films right yeah yeah so odds are good that that they are fine with you and your your rum and coke having some passion 
<laughs> so yeah, so there you go. That was the first part. And the other part is, and this is, uh, I'd love to, uh, well, we could maybe even have a longer form conversation about this. Uh, I'm getting ready to get back uh, uh, and do some comedy on the road. Going to be up in Seattle, July 24th. You can go to catabsack.com for tickets, all that fun stuff. Uh, Ellis and I go up there and, you know, it's just um, what I would call a, a, a normal crowd. It's not a uh, Comic-Con crowd, a convention crowd, which you have a massive amount of experience performing in front of. Um, and so I have some very specific Star Wars jokes. Uh, Mark Ellis does too. And I, and I know you too, Joseph, over the years have had to present those jokes to a more general audience, whatever <laughs> that is. And so I was going over some stuff and, 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 and I'm always like, man, the very specific references what what point do I lose them or do I just have to put it out there and commit to the idea that I know who this character's name is and whether you do or not, you can find that funny from my point of view, or at least the f- fact that I know it funny enough and uh, really was having some deep thoughts on how far do you go as a star Wars fan into humor in front of a audience that's not necessarily made up of star Wars fans. Yeah, no, I, that's always a fascinating uh, discussion to have. And I think so much stand-up comedy at its best, I think it is about uh, presenting your worldview, right? Mm, yeah. And, and it can be an exchange of like to, to the audience, like some of the great stand-up comedy is like, you know, this is the way I see the world mm-hmm. uh, in, from my quirky perspective. And, and people relate to the universal through the specific of like, well, maybe I never thought about you know a car that way but i think about you know doing the dishes that in that weird way kind of thing so i I always think about it is like is the way you're talking about it are you letting them into the world you know uh versus there's those jokes that you can make at conventions where you are you're using that that known language right yeah right at a convention you can just like i'm gonna do a bit about how uh obi-wan's maybe shifty Right. And a general audience knows Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but they that. don't have that that language that is kind of secondhand in uh, genre communities yeah. that this is the thing we always talk about. Or, you know, right. I think even like for a general audience, like you would want to give a if you're doing some jokes about stormtroopers missing, you know, like you got to give them that context. Right. Yeah. And look, you know, and, and this goes back to even what you were talking about with uh, Hugh McGregor and Charlie Borman on motorbikes there. The, the thing about Star Wars is just mention it gets some kind of – it pulls in the audience to a certain degree just on its own, right? So you can kind of play around with that world in that context and then throw, throw your, your details in and your point of view and your relationship with it, I guess. Yeah. No, I'm even having that with the, just the fun little silly TikTok videos that mm-hmm. I do is like uh, mm. – I'm, I'm I know that because most of them are action figures uh, with all of them are action figures pretty much. Uh, And most of them are star Wars, a few others. And like every once in a while I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Did I make any jokes in this one that is accessible to a random human being? (laughs) Or were these all a little bit, you know, inside the genre? Yeah. Uh, And I, and I, you get used to being in a certain world. And honestly, I think that kind of connects back to, to what you're talking about with having discussions with people of, Mm. Star Wars is so powerful and it's so everywhere. And I think even people who are like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't do podcasts. I don't write essays or even read blogs. I go see the movie and I have a, just a, a gut reaction, but they still love Star Wars and Star Wars is still a huge part of their life. And they're still just as valid of a fan. Yeah. But then it's, it, there's this different world of being like, so all in and being like, 
yeah, no, somebody somebody who's just sort of like, hey, I see and I have an emotional reaction. You can just go like, I didn't like Rise of Skywalker. didn't feel like it connected. And yeah. you're like, okay, cool. I disagree. And here's my essay. <laughs> and then that person just has a different perspective of like, I saw it once and I had an emotional reaction. Uh, right. I don't know how to respond to your uh, 30 minute essay with bullet points. Like <laughs> it's, it's so much about bridging, you know, not, not even different opinions, but just different like experiential realities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all that. It, it, yeah. It, it, it just, all that goes into putting together a standup set. It really does. <laughs> it really does. I mean, I'm so big on that with, uh, with standup. Uh, and I uh, actually, I think, We'll probably, I think we're going to be talking about it later in one of the questions of just like thinking through what, what people have been, uh, what people have been through. Right. Uh, Like, is this, uh, where are you in the lineup? You know, Mm -hmm. is this an event where people are eating? Is this an event where people only get to eat when you're done talking? Like all all those things matter, you know? It really does. It really does. The science of comedy is fascinating. I love when, uh, you know, I can kind of suddenly break off into that there and, 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 uh, but it's fun, but, and, and I'm, I'm a believer and sometimes you, you put a specific detail in there and you stand by it. And if, if someone gets your war of 1812 reference, they get it and it's okay, but you can build a stuff around that. You don't want to build your, I've also learned from building the entire joke on a 1812 war of 1812 reference. And that doesn't <laughs> go as well. It's just the general. Yeah. So anyways, trying to work star Wars into your, into your act, which you and I have a lot of wonderful experiences of, of performing in front of crowds who uh, a mention of, of a specific character, a moment uh, is well, so well received. And so, warm and wonderful but i also i also love the uh, challenge of of connecting to the universal build star wars in a, in a yeah. seven minute bit or <laughs> it is very doable i think and i'm sure your set is great uh we can only hope find out on july 24th at the Channel <laughs> details coming there uh all right from there we're going to get into star wars news uh, a little fun discussion this week forthcoming starting with tamora morrison oh he keeps talking and now we have some directors or additional directors from the book of Boba Fett. While speaking with the Daily Express, the man behind the Fett said that in addition to Robert Rodriguez, we already knew he was doing a few and kind of overseeing a lot of the show, the book of Boba Fett has John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and Bryce Dallas Howard on board as directors. So unknown if that rounds out the list, not confirmed. I've got to assume, though, Joseph uh, Morrison would understand who the director was on set. I'm going to trust him on that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty sure he has reason to understand who is directing him. <laughs> yeah, um, let's talk about these three being on board first. Uh, for a first follow up question, I have is: Is it too similar to Mando? Does this help maintain the vibe? Uh, what do, What do you uh, think about these names? Uh, well, first, I just want to agree with you that I'm utterly charmed by Tumura Morrison going. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take your crown, Giancarlo Esposito. <laughs> yes, I'm going to say some things that don't really sound like uh, they're breaking news, but they kind of are. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I I don't have any sort of conflict with this because uh, these are all great directors. Uh, the Robert Rodriguez, of course, we've known that he's going to be involved. That makes so much sense for kind of what he did with the character in the tragedy episode Mandalorian. Uh, Favreau and Filoni being involved is not at all shocking as uh, as directors. Bryce Dallas Howard, that's just great news because we've been yeah. big fans of the episodes uh, she's directed of Mandalorian. So I, I think for me, my main reaction is, okay, this makes me really, really intrigued about exactly how much this sort of, uh, that the book of Boba Fett, you know, whether it's Mandalorian season 2.5 or not, that however you describe it, that it is truly building 
uh, this Mandalorian era. Um, mm -hmm. That it makes me think that the show is going to be not just a character study of Boba Fett and Fennec Shan, but it's going to be dealing with what is the state of the criminal underworld right now in this uh, time where the New Republic is growing in power, uh, little remnants of the Empire uh, mm -hmm. are are fighting around the the you know connections to the burgeoning first order uh the fate of mandalore just kind of all of this world building of the era it makes me feel like it's going to stay real connected to that yeah and, and it just it tr it just tracks for for the mando 2.5 thing you know we hear a lot and and, and you said too it's just like that I just kind of uh, assumed it it would at the end that 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 tease at the end just felt so organic uh to to you know, organically coming out of the Mando story, I should say. And I, I like, so I like that. I like this connective thread. I was, I'm a little surprised to see Favreau and Filoni on board to this degree. Uh, why? I don't know why they got a lot going on, but also just, just makes sense. They've, they've formed such a family. You can see in, in behind the scenes clips and photos that just, they just have a real good think tank of idea makers. And it just, I love that they're getting to play in this particular corner of the universe. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. And is a you know do we like the multiple directors or do we like more maybe the way Kenobi is with Deborah Chow one director in charge? Uh, we got a couple hands in in the in the kitchen there on Andor, but it's generally kind of its own vibe as well. Um, can, or can this all just kind of work together? One corner here, one corner there, and, and it's Star Wars all around. Yeah, I mean, I think we're in this just beautiful, weird new era of how exactly does a streaming show work? Like, obviously, Netflix has had its version of it, but now with the these. Uh, you know, Disney Plus shows, particularly on these uh, big, big worlds of Star Wars and Marvel. I I'm seeing kind of two things develop. Mm. A, a couple of the MCU shows, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki in particular, all have the one director. Yeah. And those are six episodes. And those are both of them so far uh, are very structured, like longer movies that like the mm. first two episodes are act one. <laughs> and right. then like second two episodes are act two last two episodes are act three they're very much like a longer movie and so in some ways it really makes sense to have this one director mm. and then you look at something like mandalorian which is it's very much a connected uh story but it's also very episodic it is you know the one where mando it finds the child it is the mm -hmm. one where mando decides to keep the child it's the one where mando uh, you know meets this character and they're also, he's, you know, he's visiting different planets. He's having different kind of adventures. And so it becomes sort of stylistically mm. episodic where it's like, well, this is the one where he has a little bit of a, more of a Western adventure. And this is one where he's on a little bit more of a quest. And this is one where he kind of has to have this samurai battle in this, you know, city in the woods. Like that the locations and the adventures he's having lend themselves to the different style that a director is going to bring. Mm. Whereas like those other MCU shows feel like uh, they're a little bit more like it's it's a longer movie, you know, yeah. and so it makes sense to have all this all this um, all under one director. Yeah. And, and, and that's why, you know, and or again, different names involved in and or but you could kind of tell it just has its own look and feel and uh, now with Gilroy on board. But I look at a Kenobi like that's what exactly what I want. I want to feel like that is a movie and Deborah Chow is directing that story. And, and it's all kind of it's 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 it makes sense. Like you just said, episodes one through six and we're going to have a, 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 you know, a beginning, middle and an end. And it works. But Mando does really succeed by being little. It, it's like a good album. 
it's one one band, a bunch of different songs, and each with its own vibe and feel, but all towards the one goal. I'm thinking of season one where even some of the things that I maybe don't like or didn't like less when they came out in terms of some of the episodes, I think back now and I'm like, oh, that is that is definitely, you know, Theo Emma's uh, vibe there. Uh, uh, that is definitely Deborah Chow's vibe there. And, and, and now Bryce Dallas Howard, you can pick out their work in the shows, and it does really succeed in making Mando just these different adventures through this big galaxy that, that uh, I, I, I think I, I like more than I even thought I did back in the beginning uh, Yeah, where I can almost just be like, you know what today, today I'm going to watch the Mudhorn episode. <laughs> today I'm going to go back here and, 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 and that, and that, so I definitely want to live in both worlds. Yeah, me too. I think they, they both definitely have strengths. And I think just the practical reality of having the different directors to me makes it me feel like Book of Boba Fett is going to have those episodes where like, oh, well, this is this is the episode about being haunted by the past. And it's, yes. you know, and then this is the episode where, you know, Boba Fett is going to take somebody else's uh, train, you know, somebody else tries to move in and he's going to this is the war episode, you know, and uh, I think that they're going to have they're going to all tell one story, but they'll still have that great feeling that the Mandalorian does of each episode is kind of its own style in its own way. Yeah. And yeah. And and, and you're hitting on some there of the, the way that they might be doing this. And, you know, we've heard eh, flashbacks or whatever, but just they might be telling different facets of the of this uh, character's, uh, you know, personalities, experience and lives. And that's fascinating to me that they all, they all might be able to bring their own take to it and, and made me a little bit more excited for it i not i i i'm nothing as rodriguez i'm very excited and, and did uh in the end love what he did with boba fett and his passion is is catchy uh and i've been a fan of his work over the years but it just seems like now that thing that i sometimes run into with boba fett the character uh of, eh, you know he's a man in the armor and this that but we're learning more and more about him they're doing such a good way to tell the story i'm now excited to see i would never have wanted thought that i wanted to know bryce dallas howard's take on boba fett but we're gonna get it and Fennec Shan, and we're going to get it. And that, that makes me even more excited for the series. Yeah, super, super excited by this list of directors. And I uh, hope to see even more. Yeah, absolutely. Be, uh, seems like a, a place at the table for more directors. Uh, so Morrison also says some other things that can spawn discussions in this uh, Star Wars uh, news title grabbing kind of world. <laughs> uh, he said that, I, and feel free, Joseph, uh, to pull out any that I might have missed or any beats of what I missed. Some things that jumped out to me. He said, it's a duo thing. We've got Megna Wen in there. She's playing the master assassin, Fennec Shan. Just the way he phrased it. Again, this is one man's opinion of the project that he is the lead in, right? Again, so he's been there. He's on set. I have no reason to doubt him, what he's saying here. But this is the first time that I've really felt, again, personally felt that, oh, we got, we're not, Fennec Shan isn't just sitting there, you know, sipping some, uh, you know, uh, drink there on the side of his chair, like that great scene at the end of, of Mando. Uh, but we're going to learn more about her, just like we are learning more about her in Bad Batch. And that made me excited. It's a duo thing. That's cool to me. Yeah. And I, I really take that as uh, accurate because Ming-Na Wen said a similar thing in her great interview with uh, mm. Ash Crossan, with her friend Ash Crossan, who is a great interviewer uh, yeah. in general mm. and a, particularly, I think, a great interviewer of, uh, of genre stuff, Star Wars stuff. Mm. Um yeah, so I think that really matches, and that's really exciting because, you know, I think part of the appeal of Boba Fett is, you know, this guarded, stoic guy who says things in the simplest, most direct way possible. And and, and if he keeps talking the way he has in Mando, a little bit of a <laughs> a brutal poet, you know, yeah. <laughs> about fate uh, rescuing the wretched. So it's great just on a practical level of if we want to get to know Boba Fett more to have somebody that is going through this journey with him, you mm -hmm. know, and that we can see who Fennec is and we can see who Boba Fett is in the way that they 
play off of one another. Um, I mm-hmm. think she used the term two hander, right? So I think that means, you know, they're going through these adventures together and they're, they're, they're going to help us see them. Um, but then also just knowing that there's even the possibility that they may, maybe there's a real Fennec Shand episode where, you know, mm-hmm. Boba's the B story and this is about Fennec. Yeah. Um, I, there's so much interesting stuff, I think, to explore with her, this bond that they have based on uh, having been left for dead and the fact that Boba rescued her. Of Like, how do, do they have the same weird, violent sense of honor or yeah. do they differ in some way? And then, you know, getting to see her as, you know, th- the young, <laughs> exciting uh, bounty hunter on the rise is so cool in Bad Batch because it makes me ask, you know, what happened to her in between? How Was she not on, you know, Vader's number one list of bounty hunters? <laughs> Did right. she have problems uh, with Jabba or with the Empire? Is she excited that the new order has fallen, you know? Yeah. Or that the old orders have fallen and that there's uh, something new. Uh, a lot of interesting things to explore with her. I mean, she's probably, I'd be bitter about falling, you know, six on the depth chart behind Dengar. I mean, <laughs> come on. Right. Or did she have an even better job? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, yeah no. Well, yeah, well said indeed of just uh, seeing how she factors in and, and, and getting a little bit more of her, uh, her, her rise. and But also now in this world of just like, exactly what did she go through but now she's in kind of a position of power we're going to assume and and what does that mean and uh is it the end of uh you know some long journey or her little fennec shen dreams coming true running a corner of the underworld uh I'm, I'm so there to explore that yeah absolutely and that that's so fascinating too of like we all just kind of understand on a gut level the image of like they took the throne like mm. cool what, what does that mean are they really excited to fill out excel spreadsheets about spice yeah. trading like yeah. what are they you know what is the power of that throne and and how are they going to use it and how will that fit in with their code of honor yeah that gonna, stuff is really fascinating you're gonna need a major domo you, you knocked off the best in the galaxy <laughs> yep you know. yep all right uh well here comes pelimato i guess yeah oh <laughs> there you go um he, uh, Morrison goes on to say, uh, but I think we're blessed in the way uh, in the way Favreau has all that Marvel experience. Uh, so we know where these storylines go. Let's see what happens. This is uh, this is interesting to me because, you know, the, the, the talk of plans is always something that's a hot button issue here in Star Wars. And absolutely. Favreau, Favreau knew what he wanted to do with Mandalorian, but also he admits, you know, I wrote, uh, you know, the Luke stuff kind of came naturally out of uh, where the story needed to go and what worked and work for the timeline and 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 you and i kind of uh i don't know i don't speak for you here but just like we we love a good plan but we love just writing the you know writing with your heart's content and taking the story to where it absolutely needs to go so i'm not saying again this isn't a complete uh gospel from morrison here from but but i like his point of view of favreau in this corner of the universe is gathering people around him to to kind of you know tell something that, that goes in one direction yeah, I get really the sense that there is uh, decisions about the what and a real open openness to the how. Like yeah. with the Luke thing in particular, it seems like Favreau knows, like, I want to tell this story where this uh, this bounty hunter comes back to life because he connects with this child and he goes on this journey. And then because of the nature of who this child is, he does have to let the child go. But how does that happen? Well, if if we're going to have the have him looking for Jedi, Soka is a person to find him. And if the child's going to call out, well, who's going to answer? Like, and that stuff is really the how, when you think about it, it's not the what. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious to see if 
I, I almost feel like there's like a real big picture what for this era of uh, what they want to talk about in terms of revealing more about the origins of the First Order, uh, the fate of Mandalore, uh, the, the fate of uh, sort of the, the criminal enterprises, uh, the growth of the New Republic, all this big era stuff. I feel like they've probably got some ideas like this is what we kind of want to tell, but the how I think seems like a playground right now. And I can totally see them being on set going, uh, we know we need to do this, but but we haven't decided which <laughs> yeah. which show that's going to be in or how yeah. it's going to happen. Or, ooh, interesting. Could Fennec be involved in that? We hadn't thought about it that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even, you know, again, because with, with Ranchers of the New Republic, uh, not in production, or at least allegedly still, I guess we should say, but most likely not, um, that, that speaks to me that the plan isn't as concrete as anyone would want to believe yeah it's not etched on a wall it's it's a bunch of you know uh, index cards on a wall and and what you just said gets me excited for like all right well we don't we're not going over here anymore but we, how can we take that and what do we want to do and where can we move it and how much is do we, you know is Ahsoka completely off on its own and and I don't I definitely going even what we're saying about the directors definitely don't need every Star Wars show to be super connected and tell every little detail here but I I am I'm definitely there's big questions that aren't answered and how they get there is is absolutely uh, tantalizing to me as a star wars fan yeah absolutely and i think a, you know a big power of it and a cool thing about it is i think mandalorian season two in particular absolutely told the story of din Djarin and grogu and then almost everywhere they went they just like opened this really cool door to more star wars stories yeah <laughs> and you know now we're all peeking in these doors and i think that's part of what's the what's you know being worked on right now is like which which stories are we pursuing when and how uh, indeed any other book of boba fett thoughts right now at this point before morrison speaks again uh, the only other thought i had is uh we had a question last week about you know, flashback of job the hut and i just realized how much on screen in you know live action i would love to see not just java but another hut mm. you know we get them in comics. We've got them on Clone Wars with all of their, you know, monocles and fesses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to see a wild hut try to take back the throne on on screen in live action. I'm telling you, you know, Jabba's son's still out there somewhere, right? Oh, gosh. Wouldn't that be amazing? A little stinky muffin or punky muffin, whatever. <laughs> stinky <laughs> punky, yep. <laughs> Come back for revenge. Oh, there you go. Well, uh, speaking of Dave Filoni, Filoni uh, and Filoni, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a poem or something there. Uh, finally, we can display, are you ready for this? We can display Dave Filoni in our homes. And there's some other toy news. Hasbro has revealed that Dave Filoni will soon be, soon be released in Black, in, uh, Black Series six-inch form, or rather his Mandalorian character, Trapper Wolf. Uh, let's start there. Joseph, are you excited to have Pittsburgh's own Dave Filoni on your shelves? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think this is great. I think this is a real um there's there's so much tradition to this, right? Yeah. Of that there's been uh Lucas figures, uh the 30th anniversary Ralph McQuarrie figure, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that this has been a bit of a tradition. Um and, and I think it's great. I, I think um I think sometimes there can be a negativity when fans get to be like well Filoni's the only one who understands Star Wars right yeah uh, but setting that aside you know the the journey of uh, setting that negativity aside the journey of Filoni is is really cool this guy who's like <laughs> uh I just want to be able to brag that I had a meeting with George Lucas while I'm dressed yeah. as Plo Koon <laughs> yeah 
to then going on this, you know, coming of age journey where he, mm-hmm. he works with, uh, you know, his, uh, his master and becomes a Padawan and then becomes a knight and then becomes a master, you know, like that, this, this whole real world journey where he is, I think really in tune with the fans and also just really in, in tune with, uh, creating a lot of cool star Wars. Like well, why not celebrate everything that, uh, that this uh, person has accomplished. Uh, yeah. And I also just kind of feel like uh, there's a fun, there's something fun to this where like, we know that he wasn't like, all right, uh, <laughs> all right, John, I'll do the show, but you got to put me in it. Like that John yeah. Favreau made him do this. And I don't think he was like, all right, I'm calling up Hasbro and saying, they, like <laughs> he's not doing this. Other people around him are doing this because they're celebrating his contribution. Yeah, no, that's the first thing I, I you know, I, I definitely don't know Dave. Dave, I, I think you and I both know some people that do, and uh, you know, the, the the general vibe is other people will say Dave needs to quote take over Star Wars. Dave won't necessarily say that. Uh, he is just uh, kind of that plo uh, coon nerd uh, playing in the bigger galaxy. Uh, definitely has thoughts and opinions on how things should go and all those things. Yeah, of course he does. Um, but so I, I'm right here with you on. I'm I'm looking at this with a smile going, this is the journey of a hockey loving kid from Pittsburgh in a cowboy hat who didn't even believe he was getting hired. Uh, thought it was a prank from the SpongeBob guys that story he stole a few <laughs> spots. And now here he is years later. Um, uh, your journey is a long and winding road, but years later, he's a character in Star Wars. And I still love that Favreau was like, oh, you want to be a live action director? Great. Get in, uh, get in the cockpit. You need to learn how to do a little bit of acting before you tell actors what to do. I, I, I think that's uh, fun all around too. Absolutely. My only little caveat is I, f- I wish they would all have announced a Carson Teva figure as well at the same time. Yes, and uh, we Brian Ward, uh, our pal Brian Ward, out there doing the Lord's work, uh, putting some concept art out there that maybe won't spark. <laughs> Put the entire uh, director crew out there too. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I uh, totally agree with that. Yeah. But yeah, overall, cool and fun. Cool and fun indeed. But that's not all, Joseph. Oh, no. What a day for you and Star Wars fans around the galaxy. <laughs> a special Cantina Showdown set is coming. This is six inch, inch uh, scale. Kenobi, Panda Baba, and Dr. Evison in Power of the Force packaging. Go back to 1995. Joseph, where is this going in your home? Oh, I, I need to find room or I need to move <laughs> <laughs> or uh, we need to rent uh, our four center studio in quotation marks. And it's not really a studio. It's just a place for all of our action figures to be displayed. Yeah, I I, I need to get this one. Uh, yeah. It's an amazing set. All of their pictures that comes with a big chunk of the bar and all these pictures of mm. these these guys opposing at the bar like they're just bickering about what the best fast and furious movie is it's yes. so great those pictures of them at the bar that doesn't look like they're about to have a conflict mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like they're just absolutely you know ranking uh best heavy metal albums ever I, they just look like they're chatting at the bar it's so great it's so funny and yeah. the fact that this is uh a celebration of uh, one of those cinema scenes that they released for yeah. Power of the Force, which is uh, one of my very favorite action figure memories. I had all of those. I had them on my wall. I loved this one. It was so cool. Uh, I still have it. It's in a, a storage space. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to have to make room. Yeah. It's just what, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. What is old is new again. It's wonderful. The package, and it's so funny. That package, I saw that. I mean, it just gets you right in the nostalgia feels, man. It just, it works so well. Which is weird, because then you're nostalgic for something that was also trying to be nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And then, yeah, it's 
the package looks so great and looks so great posing mm-hmm. the package, but then I want to take them out and make them drink, and I need two now. This is a, a nightmare. Two. It's a two. It's a beautiful nightmare. Yeah, and and we're not done with the nightmares. Oh, Speaking geez. of nightmares, the Emperor's Throne Room set is coming to the three and three quarter vintage line. So you know a little less space, but you need it. Set includes uh, kind of a new Palpatine with some lightning and all the great uh, face uh, a throne. And a window background with the rebel fleet being caught in a trap. Come here, boy. Oh, my God. This one, I'm clearing space as well for this one. Yeah, I, I, I will get some of the really special Black Series uh, mm-hmm. like that Cantina Showdown. But I am mostly a three and three quarter guy. And, oh, man. The, when I saw it, I was like, okay, I, I don't need this one. But then I saw the mold of his face. He's got that horrific little jerk smile that looks like smiling that much is going to make his uh, little paper thin ashy face just fall apart yeah yeah <laughs> it, that perfect mold of that little evil jerk smile he does in return of the jedi I, I need that smile in my life yeah it's it's uh it's too much and and i was doing the scroll you know i'm looking at the photos or just clicking on the photos and it's like yeah, yeah okay great palpatine figure throne room great great that backdrop with the little the rebel fleet and the superstar destroyer that took me back to 1983 in the best way possible. Oh my God. I just got giddy seeing that. Yeah. So great. So great. And, and if this one uh, sells well, hopefully we will get uh, the Sith throne room. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we need. So those are coming up. Check out uh, um, Hasbro for when you can pre-order them. There's links, all those kind of good things. But uh, I'm not there yet. I have to clear some space. Got to clear some space. I might be heading to Ikea tonight to get some more shelving. So uh, we'll do this. We'll do this. I'll do this for Palpatine. You do it for Kenobi and Palpatine. My my pleasure. Uh, final story of the day. Uh, we got details and a cover for the Star Wars Visions novel, Ronin. Uh, it's been revealed. Emily Miko Kandon has uh, written Ronin. It's due out October 12th. And uh, we were kind of already aware of this, but this is uh, finally getting all the details and this is uh, inspired by the forthcoming Star Wars Vision short film, The Duel, by Takanubi Mizuno. And the story centers on the Jedi and the Sith, but with an entirely alternate history inspired by Japanese lore. Now, last week we discussed that kind of big revelation. Again, I, would, I wouldn't call it a surprise, but just maybe a confirmation of, yeah, Star Wars Visions is stories inspired by Star Wars. And we want the creators to go where they want to go. But they kind of had this uh, short film and inspired it inspired Lucasfilm to go, yeah, let's hear more of this. That's what James Wall was kind of saying. So, uh, Joseph, thoughts on just what you've seen so far? Then I'll go into the description of what we're getting. Yeah, no, I, I'm really loving the idea behind Visions, as we talked about last week, and the fact that this book is just uh, was created based off of, wow, this short has so much more story to tell. Let's just tell it. Mm-hmm. I think it really, um, there's that sense of play. There's that sense of, look, we've got our canon uh, stories where we, we, you know, really, uh, we define the playground yeah. and we try to play within it. Um, and I love that this is just saying like, yeah, it's, this isn't that, this is just going to, you know, the thing that I think Lucas himself has said, uh, that he meant Star Wars to inspire people to go out and have their adventures. And some of those adventures are people going like, thanks for the inspiration, George. I want to play in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and, but this is so in the spirit of that, of like, don't worry about canon, you know, just this is filtered through you, your perspective, your culture, go play and, and, and make up whatever you want. The spirit of that is thrilling. Yeah. There's already been some great pitches for what the, the, these vision short films are. This one, uh, 
This one has some exegesis in terms of novel. Uh, the, ta- the, 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 the elevator pitch is a mysterious former Sith wanders the galaxy in this stunning Star Wars tale and original novel. But here, here, if you all don't mind, I'm going to read the actual thing. I tried to, I tried Joseph to summarize this part of the clip, but I was like, nah, I just like this whole thing. Read so, it all. The Jedi, the most loyal servants of the Empire. Two decades ago, Jedi clans clashed in service to feuding lords. Sickened by this endless cycle, a sect of Jedi rebelled, seeking to control their own destiny and claim power in service of no master. They called themselves Sith. The Sith Rebellion failed, succumbing to infighting and betrayal, and the once rival lords unified to create an empire. But even an empire, peace is not free from violence. Far on the edge of the Outer Rim, one former Sith wanders, accompanied only by a faithful droid and the ghost of a less civilized age. He carries a lightsaber, but claims lineage to no Jedi clan and pledges allegiance to no lord. Little is known about him, including his name, for he never speaks of his past nor his regrets. His history is as guarded as the red blade of destruction and carries sheathed at his side. As the galaxy's perpetual cycle of violence continues to interrupt his self-imposed exile, and he's forced to duel an enigmatic bandit claiming the title of Sith. It becomes clear that no amount of wandering will ever let him outpace the specters of his former life. Wow. <laughs> Love this Ronin, the, the samurai feel. We get, I, I get the connections there. But in terms of just hearing the Star Wars terms that I've grown up with and in a pretty interesting, intriguing and different way, I'm already on board just to see what we're going to experience here. Yeah, it's so great because uh, it, to me that description is thrilling because it's, uh, to me, listing off big ideas in Star Wars and just wrestling with them from a different perspective of mm-hmm. that idea between the Jedi and Sith of, well, we have power. Who do we use it for? Uh, you know, the idea that, okay, well, maybe it's not great to be in service of somebody else. But so then the Sith saying, well, maybe we should just decide what is right. And then that ending up being infighting. And then this idea of um, you can't escape the past. The past does inform the present, but you choose the future. Mm. Uh, that's so present in what it sounds like this character's journey is. Uh, so it's uh, that powerful idea of nostalgia in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nostalgia in the, the glory of the past, the pain of the past, and so much about uh, self-exile. Yeah. <laughs> of somebody going, ah, well, I can't figure out the right way forward. So I just won't do a damn thing. And then the the galaxy, the world, reality won't let me not make a choice. Something's yeah. going to come for me. Such great, rich Star Wars themes. So they will feel like they're wrestling with all the Star Wars we know, but from such a different perspective. Yeah, something's coming for you. People are coming for you, but your regrets are chasing you. I, I just love that one there. That just tracks really well for me, just in terms of Star Wars, big themes and and how we wrestle with what we've done. Um how it could affect uh, what we want to do in the future. But yeah, all those things. Yeah, and you're right. It's like you hear all these Outer Rim, Sith, Empire. And then, you know, it, I won't even say it's like little tweaks. It, it, I, I call this pretty big tweaks. And it just, I, I think either you hear that and then you want to stay connected to what you know, or you, you're there for this adventure. And it is, um, I'm there for it. And, and it seems, uh, it just seems like it could spawn on its almost own own little corner of its own little universe. And, and what do you think about this? They, they kind of use the phrase like a fairy tale of a fairy tale, this approach. <laughs> yeah, I really love that. I think it is being honest about how storytelling um, works, um, mm-hmm. that the stories of one period, one culture 
kind of live in our minds. They kind of inform how we see the world. And then we do new stories wrestling with that. And this just seems like a more kind of a, a self-aware version of that, of we are really taking this known fairy tale of Star Wars that is built on old fairy tales. Yeah. And we're doing a new fairy tale of the fairy tale. It's, it, I think it's doing what has always happened uh, with myths in particular and just consciously going like, yeah, no. And instead of uh, the story of, you know, um, King Arthur changing yeah. uh, after 200 years because we have a different perspective and we need King Arthur to mean something else now, mm. <laughs> instead of that just happening sort of naturally anthropologically, it's just somebody going, let's do that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and again, you know, this is uh, because there's less pressure on it in terms of answering these big Star Wars questions that we all want. Ancient times, old Republic. Yeah, I want those answers too. But yeah, I'm just, I'm there for this kind of journey venture. It reminds me a little bit of, um, I mean, a little bit of of when Dark Horse published The Star Wars, George's kind of like original script in, in comic book form. And it was so bizarre, but so also familiar in some parts. It just was. I had a fun. I had a fun just sitting back and just taking it in and just wondering. All right, you know, if, if this was it. What what we the, the core of the themes are still there. Everything that would have got me is still there. The details almost didn't matter, and I, I'm just pulled in by uh, what this is going to be dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I also just really liked the way the uh, the author of the book talked about it. Talked about it that this is obviously a, a version of Star Wars that is uh, through a, a Japanese cultural lens, a, a, a history of Japanese storytelling lens. Um, you would really tying it back more directly to how have figures like Samurai and Jedi been been wrestled with in in Japanese storytelling. But then also he very specifically says, but it's also personal. This is about me, yeah. you know? And that is so important to me because I think the, the personal is what makes storytelling powerful. I think we can sense it, you know? Yeah. And I think you and I uh, definitely uh, both people who uh, maybe spend a little bit of time thinking about our regrets over coffee when we hear somebody else go, <laughs> I'm going to pour my personal regrets. Some person we've never met. Yeah. <laughs> going, yeah. This is going to be full of my regrets. This is going to be an awesome Star Wars story yeah. uh, with laser swords. Uh, but also you'll get that sense of somebody going, oh, boy, <laughs> uh, I regret some of those choices. It makes it come alive because it's real. It's personal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, oh, I, and I, I made a typo too. It's Emma. I, I said Emily. It's Emma Miko Kenden, uh, the author. So I apologize for that. Just scrolling up and uh, saw my little typo. Uh, so yeah, this is again coming out October 12th. Uh, we'll take a dive into it. Uh, great art. Uh, just seeing a, seeing a lightsaber, red lightsaber, just act absolutely being a, you know, classic samurai sword. And to see those things so married together now after years of going, well, it kind of reminds you of this. And it, it's a beautiful thing. It is. All right. That's a look at Star Wars news. Always other little tidbits out there here and there, but these are the stories we concentrated on this week. So uh, before we take a break, we're going to do our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And Joseph, where are we going? Yeah, we're going to recommend two this week, actually. A little catch-up on the High Republic of The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott and The Race to Crash Point Tower by Daniel Jose Older. Uh, these are both really great books. Uh, Rising Storm has been getting just a, a ton of kudos for being a very different Star Wars experience. Uh, if you want to give a listen to either of these books, we did our big review of Rising Storm, and we're going to be doing one this week of Race to Crash Point Tower. So if you're not caught up on High Republic, give them a listen on us. Give them a listen on us indeed. Download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center. 
for your free audio book. Let's do it. Let's take that break. And the other side, your questions in our notes here on Foresight. Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J E N I L A N D A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa1138. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to Force Center, the 339th edition of the main show. And yes, we are still... It's, about a month away, Joseph. Our overall 1,000th broadcast of Four Center is coming your way. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I literally don't believe it. <laughs> I will have to wrestle with reality. We will wrestle indeed. And uh, we will say, as of right now, schedules sometimes change. Uh, Jennifer Landa will be live in studio for uh, part of that 1,000th episode. We're looking forward to that. All right, Joseph, we're also looking forward to questions. What do you got this week? That's right. So excited for that thousandth episode. I'm processing it. It's becoming more real every second. <laughs> uh, so with that in mind, we'll dive into our questions. We got two from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. As always, uh, we'll go to Twitter first. We have a question from Ross Squatch. Great, great name uh, for real world or Star Wars. Uh, Ross says, I've heard you gentlemen discuss how much watching Star Wars properties has made you emotional enough to cry tears of joy and of sadness. I've watched the same properties and never shed a tear. Question, does this make me dead inside? Was born in 80, if that helps. <laughs> uh, I think Ross is asking both a sincere question and having a little bit of a, a tongue-in-cheek, uh, I think. Uh, if I am assuming incorrectly, I apologize. Uh, but let's dive into this, Ken. What was your uh, reaction to this question in what do you think about uh, the crying or not crying uh, in reaction to Star Wars? No, Ross, you're okay, man. You're okay. You're okay. It's it's fine. Uh, it's uh, I got to tell you, I don't think I started crying about in, in Star Wars until the last like five six years. <laughs> I didn't grow up. Even as I got older, I, I, even when I connected some things, I, I wasn't uh, crying. I just think. I've been so moved by some of the stories and now having 40 plus years of not just my own personal fandom, but more stories and the connective threads and, and being, I am personally moved by the emotional canon stuff. That's why it affects me. I can do a breakdown of one of the moments in, 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 a, in a beat and it, it explain it, but that's where, that's my starting point, Joseph, of just like, no, I, I didn't get there till later in my life. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we're just, we're all different. We process uh, our emotions different. We process media different. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't I don't think, uh, to Ross's direct question, I do not think he's dead inside. <laughs> no. uh, I think for me, a, a part of it, I know we, we do bring it up on the podcast, I think, in an effort to be honest, and, and I certainly don't want to speak for you, Ken, but, I mean, I think a part of it for me, the reality of actually crying and the reality of speaking about it is I definitely uh, growing up when I did receive some baggage that I should not cry mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, ever for anything. And that I would be thought of is a uh, useless and weak and mm -hmm. ostracized if I did that. Right. So for me, not only doing it crying when I honestly feel those emotions, uh, but speaking about it for me is a matter of claiming my, my right to feel emotions and that there's nothing wrong with feeling emotions. There's nothing wrong with expressing them. There's nothing wrong with uh, sharing them. So that's my journey, not a comment on anything uh, that Ross has experienced, but uh, yeah. that's a little bit of it for me. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. There's that, that kind of view. And, and um, I mean, I, I've all through my life, I probably cried at sports more than star Wars uh, I, because I think the motions were more 
up front and in my face and in my heart. And, and what I mean by that is like, I was just inspired by star Wars. I was, you know, enthralled by star Wars. Uh, but I think I needed to be a little bit older to experience a lot of the things that the characters were going through the themes more than even just, you know, obviously haven't gotten the millennium Falcon and, and taken out a death star. But I, I go back to Carl Weathers and that Mando behind the scenes thing saying, you know, what I, what I probably needed to hear in my younger days from star Wars. I, you know, I didn't hear till later. I'm, I'm paraphrasing of course, but, um, that really is where I find myself as a Star Wars fan. I, I would not be moved by it. It's not a Navy, sir. It's people. I wouldn't have been moved by that 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I think for me, the, the, the times that I cry are definitely about the success of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. There's so much about my, my own relationship to the storytelling, either really connecting to a character or uh, a lot of stuff in this kind of the return of, of Star Wars with Force Awakens was very much about the real life journey of those people. Um, yeah. You know, just uh, one of the moments that got me in my very first viewing of Force Awakens was uh, Han and Leia, uh, Leia kind of giving him the assignment of bring our son mm-hmm. home um, and, you know, having more lived experience to feel that pain of like, all we want is, is our family back. All we want is to, yeah. you know, rebuild these, these broken bridges there's the storytelling element of it that's very moving, but then it's like, that's Carrie Fisher and she's on screen and she knows real life pain and she is putting it into this wonderful character of Leia. And like, there's so many things intersecting uh, in the moments that actually bring tears. That's everything from the actual storytelling in world to what I happen to know about the real life (laughs) story to my own real life experience with those storytelling beats you know there's just so much going on yeah and some, sometimes some of the moments and I, I can talk about the moment you're talking about here in a bit in another question but just like sometimes some of the moments are just because it is you're on you're going ah oh, you know we, we were very aware of what happened with the carrie fisher situation and yeah and you're just crying because of as a fan outside of the story even though there's so many parts of the story pulling you in um but yeah i think it, it when it all kind of connects and i mentioned the raddest moment so i i i do get emotional still even on a recent viewing of rogue one for one of the things you and i were doing here when you're just kind of watching it for research i got moved by again by the specific moment of him coming out of hyperspace as admiral raddus of the rebel alliance does raddus himself make me cry no it is it is seeing the rebellion take this big leap knowing what it meant and knowing what it meant because I've been watching for 40 years <laughs> and knowing the story and seeing the, the this is the rebellion uh, putting their, their fist down and saying no more and we will fight I say we fight and so to hear that on screen which is also something I wouldn't have thought that I was going to get the opportunity to see to see hear it on screen in 2016 and even now even more now to know where some of the stories go to hear this is apparatus of the rebel alliance and that's the thing that's the term that's the the team that inspired me for so many years even though i did own more imperial gear i know um, <laughs> it moved me it moves me on all those levels inside and out and and i think that only can come from experience there not and by the way not saying you can't be 13 and cry at that i'm just <laughs> i yeah. know that later in life I, I'm, that's a really great one to bring up because I think it connects to a lot of the things that make me emotional in Star Wars, but make me emotional in other story uh, telling and sometimes takes me by surprise. I think there can be a feeling of you are alone mm-hmm. 
or you went way, way out and took a huge risk and you are in such danger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in Star Wars, it's usually physical, but it's also emotional. Yeah. And then other people come and proudly say, no, we are with you. And that's something that got me from a young age. There's an episode of, or episode, an issue of a uh, Teen Titans comic book that I collected and got real emotional about when I was a kid. And there's a pivotal episode uh, or issue where everything's everything's horrible for the Titans and it looks like there's no hope for them. Mm. And the issue is called There Shall Come a Titan. It has that same <laughs> energy of, no, we will not fall. We will rally. You are not alone. That is there with, you know, Rada saying, you know, we are... We are here. We are the rebellion and yeah. you are not alone. And then so much of that direct you are not alone stuff in Rise of Skywalker affects me because I think that just it speaks to something deep in me emotionally yeah. of that fear that at, at my worst point, no one will be there for me. And the just the, the comfort and the thrill and, you know, the energy that, you know, <laughs> uh, for light and life energy that comes in when somebody says, no, we're here, you know, yeah. we're together. Ah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, and again, that could that could hit at any point, and I just think uh, specifically with Star Wars, yeah, you know, come on, I blubber and had to be carried out of the theater at the end of Mr. Holland's Opus. Like, ah, it gets me with the song, and it was like, you know, I cried in Titanic. Come on, you know, I got no problem with that during that era of my life. Maybe younger, not so much, but um, you know, yeah, it was Star Wars specifically. Like, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't start really connecting those bigger themes. Till later, and, and so that's why it moved me. Uh, yeah, and that feeling, that connection, and so maybe if I, I, I'm like you too. I think Rise of Skywalker pulls me in a lot with that. Um, we're not alone type of atmosphere. There's more of us because I, I, you know, all of us growing up in different times of life felt like oh, you're on a little Star Wars nerd island too, just on that level. You know, there's yeah. part of the real re- life reasons that you know, uh, but even on that, it just felt like oh, I didn't know there was this many Star Wars fans in the galaxy. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so much. Yeah, you you said it like Ray says. I didn't know there was so much green in the galaxy. There's so much in Force Awakens too, and just even that trailer when Han says it, it's true, all of it. It's Mm. like he's just, it's like he's looking out of the screen and going, "It's okay that you had Return of the Jedi bed sheets." Like, (laughs) you know, it is such a validation of this is meaningful to a lot of us. You are not alone. Yeah, and again, you and I are speaking from a a certain age group and generation, but I think it does carry on. Uh, all around. So I and, I and I hope I hope and I do I believe I believe newer generations of, of Star Wars fans are are way more connected to that side of it. And again, to Ross, if you don't and you never do, guess what? You're still a great Star Wars fan. Absolutely. And I like I said, I think we all express emotions uh, differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I big, big fan of comedy and I absolutely love laughing uh with people in in person sometimes i don't laugh at comedies like i i I think my parents were uh close to sending me somewhere for help because i watched cheers every night and i watched it like a scientist i never i didn't laugh out loud at cheers and it was my favorite thing and one of the funniest things ever and i was just like i don't know why it just didn't elicit the actual emotional response of laughter and like we're worried about this weird kid <laughs> has no emotional reaction to a thing he claimed is funny. <laughs> uh, I, I that that's another conversation. I that's another show. Yeah, I am so I can't even even this past weekend to to when I was younger, been accused of. Do you, do you find anything funny? I'm like, well, yeah, absolutely. I laugh all the time, but a lot of times I am I'm seeing how it works because that's what I do or that's what I'm interested in. Even when I was younger, so I'm right where with and it feels weird, right? You feels <laughs> I don't even know if I'm doing it, you know. 
Yeah, it's kind of moments like that where I like tech, where I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it was very funny. The setup was very efficient, and the punchline was both expected and surprising, which is the most successful form of a joke. I enjoyed it very much. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, in other words, I'm not fun at a comedy show. <laughs> uh, all right. Any other thoughts on uh, on Ross's great question? No, great stuff. And and and, and it made me think of uh, of why I of why I cry now and why I didn't in the past. Yeah, no, great stuff. Thank you very much, uh, Ross, for this awesome question. We're going to move on to a question from Geeky Gator. Geeky says, hey, guys, long-time listener, first-time question asker. Welcome. Uh, I remember connecting to and finding more emotional resonance with the binary sunset scene in A New Hope when I left for college for the first time recently. What scenes in Star Wars have you found direct connections to moments in your own life? And Did that change how you look at said scene? All right, Ken, how many of these are we doing? Uh, 27 each <laughs> this yeah might spot a star wars ranked yeah uh i've got a couple but uh yeah, yeah i'll contain myself stopped. i'll just do a couple but uh, yeah. go ahead go for it well i, I wanted to start with the uh, the luke and the twin sons theme theme it, it's works it works the moment you see it it works you get in story and but it, it, this ties greatly and, and i know you create these questions and um these two first two questions really tie together well because certain experiences for me graduating high school, like geeky Gators just when I left for college for me, graduating from high school, I just was so uh, wanted to, to stay locked in that, that moment of just like, I knew as I drove away from campus on the day of my graduation, the evening in my 1981 Ford Fairmont, you and I've talked about Fairmont's being our first car. Uh, I had um, the Beatles, baby, you're a rich man playing. Cause how does it feel to be one of the beautiful people now that you know who you are? What are you going to be like? All, I wanted those lyrics in my head while I was driving towards the sun setting. I set them mm. up in my head because I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to feel what Luke was feeling in that moment. And, and, and his was a little more longing, but I, uh, I knew I was, I was leaving Moss Eisley here. You know, I wouldn't leave town for another four years, but I just, the, the world was in front of you. Good and bad. And I was afraid. I was scared, but I knew. And I, and, and so that Luke and the twin sons moment connected more then than it had ever before. You know, yeah, no, and I think that is why it is uh, so powerful. It is absolutely there in all the storytelling and all the uh, events of A New Hope, and mm-hmm. so many other Star Wars stories are about that that coming of age and mm-hmm. uh, taking your first step into uh, a larger world. But the binary sunset, just the combination of the music and Hamill's performance and the way it's shot, and it, it just is really like this little. Um, visual poem about this is this is the essence of that experience that emotion um so binary sunset is uh, i bring it up often when we talk about like touchstones for like hey when star wars gets stressful and are you know are you need to reconnect to your love binary sunset is one of the things that's always up there Mm. on my list and uh because it was one of the first times where i was really like okay, this is not just about (laughs) uh, things looking cool or sounding cool or being fun or weird or different. Like that's, that's so true. And I thought about it a lot in, uh, in high school when I was really, really anxious to get out into the world. And, um, I explicitly thought about it. I had, uh, off of my bedroom, uh, in my house in North Minneapolis, had a little balcony that, uh, didn't that was the roof wasn't stable so it was like a metaphor I wasn't supposed to stand out on the balcony but I could open the door particularly when it was really hot in the summer and I remember like being up at like 3 a.m uh in the middle of the hot summer in Minneapolis and just kind of being able to look out into the horizon of of uh of North Minneapolis and being like 
it, uh, this is my binary sunset. I know there's stuff for me out there and I can't go there yet. And I want to so much. Mm. It's so powerful mm. that as a kid is like, really like I was aware, like, uh, the, 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 there's a bunch of trees and power lines, but for me, they're the binary sunset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a super strong one and mm. very, very cool to hear that people are still relating to it that way. Yeah. What are some other moments uh, for you, Ken, moments that uh, yeah. that you found direct connection to your own life? This is great. I mean, I had a really, similar to the first question, dig a, dig, a, dig a little deeper to find out what grabbed me at 7, 10, 15, and, and what grabs me now. And and things grab me a, a, a little more powerfully now. Uh, and, and something, you mentioned it, so Leia telling Han to go get their son, and, and remember, you and I have had discussion. I've, I've, I, one day I'll just tell the whole full, complete version of how I, I was a little underwhelmed by Han's death in um, Force Awakens, but an on-air conversation with you made me realize I just hadn't been connecting to what was there. And that kind of spawned a lot of discoveries for me in that storyline where I am such a, a Han guy, like I say, but I, I just I, I found a lot more of Han and older Han, particularly of him running of running away once again from who he felt he should be and could be. And just that moment, that whole sequence, I almost could say a lot of just Han and force awakens, but I loved everything about that. And it's, and it's taken more, just a little more prominent space in inspiring, inspirational uh, star Wars scenes for me personally, of just like Leia saying, you know, it's, it's about Ben, it's about father, but just saying, here's who you are. And that has value whether you see it or not, whether you want to ra- run away for that, uh, from that or not, and you already have, even in this movie. And that that has has hit me differently uh, over the years. Just that moment of her saying, you're, you're his father. That's why you're here. That's the value. That's what you bring. That's who you are in the situation. And just in going towards that and him turning. So therefore, him turning back to Kylo on a platform with no railings, which at the time in 2015, I was like, saw that coming. Now I'm more, that moment is more about actually Leia saying, go get our son, go do it. And, and, and it has bigger meaning for me. Yeah, it is. That, I love that you're pointing out that the connection between the earlier conversation they have, where he's like, you know, what Luke's a Jedi and he couldn't get through to him, you know, what in, in Leia saying, you're his father. It is such a great big mythic way to, to reinforce that star Wars idea that, you know, we all have power. Um, This, there's this big cosmic stake of, can the first order be stopped? Will Kylo Ren destroy everything, you know, in Han's the one who can talk to him because he's his father, you know, and that, you know, you, you always, everyone's important. You're always important. And, Sometimes, you know, we can we can come up with reasons why, like, well, this is I, I can't do anything about that. Like, in fact, you're the perfect person to do something about that, you yeah. know, is yeah. really powerful. Well, it connects with Leia and, and eight saying, you know, we have everything we need. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely bad. same thing. Same energy. Uh, so that one, that one. And, and then I'll kick it back to you. And then I have the, the bigger one at the end. But um, Luke and Yoda, Last Jedi, greatest teacher failure is that whole scene. Yoda's music never has moved me more than, I don't know, maybe seeing it for the first time in Empire, hearing it for the first time around Empire. And there's just something, and that one has come from personal. So that comes from looking back and going, I failed there. I failed there. I did that again when I didn't want to do that, uh, you know, just from a who I am point of view, like all those kind of things. And just then Yoda going, yeah, 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 that's, that's, uh, that's okay. That's how it's failure. We learn from it. You move on. That's what you're supposed to do. I, it just was simple. It was direct. It was cosmic because it was Yoda. But that one gets me too. Yeah, absolutely. That That is so powerful. A um, couple of ones that are just more lines uh, from the original trilogy. Um, 
that you've taken your first step into a larger world. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one that I have quoted to myself or other people kind of as a joke, but then also kind of meant it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that there, there's the, the fun of just quoting that. Like, um, so my, mm, I did a lot of, uh, theater and comedy with my brother in Minneapolis and like, uh, there, an opportunity came up for us to like audition for a commercial cause they were looking for brothers. And, you know, we were, we went and did a little audition. We didn't get it. But then like I jokingly said to my brother in the elevator on the way down from the audition is like, we've taken our first step into a larger world, you know, <laughs> that I, uh, that's something that I've kind of been cognizant of that that is a good thing to do, to try to do, you know, and yeah. how easily Luke could be like, and he even does like, well, why would I put the blast shield down? I can't see anything. Right. <laughs> And it is a it is a moment where he is willing to take that risk of something he maybe doesn't understand, something he might fail at, and and just like okay, I'll try. Um, and how good that is to do. So so I, I think of that sometimes. Like remember, if something seems like too scary, is like oh, it's just your first step into a larger world. See what's out there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Luke's delivery of "I'm sorry" to Yoda in Return of the Jedi. Right. Oh, yeah. When that one stuck with me for a long time, maybe issues of guilt. I don't know. But <laughs> but the absolute weight of it, the full understanding, that's not a yeah, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> right. That is Yoda saying, you know, it's 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 not bad that you know the truth. It's bad that you didn't finish your training, that you weren't ready to handle what was being asked of you that you weren't ready for this burden that you weren't prepared. And the way Luke says, I'm sorry is just, it's clearly somebody who has reflected Mm. and is personally exactly aware of what they did wrong. And is sincerely sorry. I've thought about that a lot when I feel like, okay, no, I, I really did make a mistake. Mm. I need to apologize as sincerely as Luke did to Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two other short ones for me and, and let you uh, wrap up because uh, we already talked about this. Uh, there's a lot in, in Rise of Skywalker, in Last Jedi as well, um, but in particular in uh, Rise of Skywalker of Ray and Poe really holding on to hope and then it, having that explosion of, of joy when they when their hope proves out and they, they're supported. That's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, slightly more just down to earth. Uh, I've mentioned this before. Mando chapter two, uh, there's a lot in Mando, but chapter two, the child, how much that is just like, this is the space fantasy, thrilling mythic version of just trying to get through your damn day. I just love that mood. It's just so cathartic. It's Mm. just, Mm. you know, so much of life can be grand, but in order to do the grand adventures, you just got to grind through like, where to put my keys? Oh, I broke the mug. Oh, I, did. I was going to fix this, but the thing that I need to fix the first thing is broken. And damn it! Yeah. Ah. And just trying to make it through the the stuff that isn't glamour. It's just the yeah. grind of life in order to get to these uh, bigger things that 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 matter. That you you got to go through the grind. You got to do infrastructure months and get a new <laughs> computer. And and the fact that I can feel that and see that in this cool bounty hunter just trying to get get off the damn planet uh is uh, really powerful and resonant to me and now i hear that that great uh ludwig gorson score anytime i'm just stumbling to try to get through today (laughs) just going crazy as the mudhorns attack and i'm I'm doing a horrible version of it but you know you know the sound it just that sounds like trying to get through monday yeah and you know quill is just so like well just 
take a beat and make a li- make a list and do the work. Stop whining. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you want some help, you whiner? <laughs> I absolutely love it. So that, that one's meaningful for me. I want to hear yours, though. Yeah, the final big one I, I, I chose is uh, an example, too, of how things can can change uh, and when you start maybe connecting in, into more other things. So right at the end of Force Awakens, I've always talked about this one, even back in the day. Um, it just worked worked for me initially uh, on just rooting for someone else. I was so rooting for Ray in a, in a way I hadn't watched Star Wars before where I just was like, you know, a little older a little wiser perspective or just, you know, again, just older perspective, looking at this younger hero and just going, man, I'm so excited that you, you thought you, you, you heard of these legends and now you're standing, um, you know, at, at the foot of one of the legends, but just the myth itself because you're in it and, and, and you'll have to climb these steps to get there. All those kind of things really work for me, but it, it, over time, and especially as the story, her story uh, goes and, and is completed for now, it connects to this thing of Star Wars, and I, I'm not. I I don't, I don't want to sit here quoting myself, but I I posted somebody you're going on Instagram uh, for for Star Wars Day 2020. I posted a picture of the Falcon over Galaxy's Edge, and this idea came to me. The Star Wars is just about. I said it's it's about the hope of tomorrow being present today. Your journey has already begun. Uh, and what I meant by that is this idea of Ray, the beginning of Force Awakens. She's fighting for food portions. She doesn't know. Yes, she doesn't know the adventures that are, that are about to to happen to her, but then she, the, the journeys began before she even knew it, right? Not just uh, who's their backstory, parents and Ochi of Bastoon, but she's already where she needs to be. She's already stepping forward. She's also, she heard the failures and the successes, everything's moving her towards. And even then when you think you get to the top and, and you're holding the lightsaber out to the, the mythic legend that's going to save the day, and you're like, wow, uh, did, I, did I reach where I need to go? It's just beginning. Everything that you need to do, you've already begun. You've already taken the first steps and you don't even, you can't even imagine where it's going to go, good and bad. And we know now the twists and turns, the challenges that are constantly presented to this one specific character. Uh, it just, it just, it reminds me of, of the core. And yes, it's, it's Luke itself. It's twin sons. It's all those things. But the Ray, the Ray journey has got me, just connect with me on a little bit different level because uh, I now see myself in that moment more than I did in 2015 because I didn't know I was already on a journey where I needed to be. <laughs> a lot changed my life in 2015. And a lot of it was uh, I wanted to get out of one particular job for 17 years. That's all I wanted and I never thought it would. And then it happened. I thought, oh, yeah, I made it. And that was just step two. <laughs> and I'm on step 50 now. And now I look at that Ray moment, climbing to the top, lightsaber out. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite endings in Star Wars. But man, she was already on a larger journey. And so that moment uh, gets me more. It's so powerful. And and man, Luke's expression is so relatable of like, you are asking something that I can't deal with. Yeah. <laughs> it's so clear. It's, uh, it's so good. There's so, yeah. so much, uh, so many different emotions to read in it. But now to me, just so clearly like, you were asking me to do something that mm. I just don't want to deal with. Um, but for Ray's journey, yeah, there's so much power in she thinks the world is going to come to her, right? Yeah. She thinks the belonging and future and harmony is is just her parents are going to return. And she's just counting down the days. Uh, and then she starts her journey without realizing it, you know, mm. by by rescuing BB-8 and just keeps keeps going on this journey without accepting that it's her journey, you know, and yeah. that is really powerful to, to think that 
um, I am just I'm just going through the day to day and I'm just uh, not realizing that you're on your journey yet to to yeah. be the person that you want to be, to be the person you need to be, to achieve the things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. It's it's really powerful to to not fully be aware yet. You know, in that yeah. in that moment, she is like, I love the way you, you say that, like for that film, this was the goal. Find Luke. Yeah. And she climbed the, climbed the summit and she accomplished it. <laughs> yeah. And like you, you have many more steps to go, right? As, as we all do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and final for me on that is, is, is why I highlight why watching and rooting for Ray a little bit from afar at first and, and still afar. Um, but I'm so, I just so now see myself in that story. Whereas like Luke's story I felt I was living it as it was going on, right? I'm a kid. Again, talk about graduating high school and everything. Like, yeah, a hero's journey. Oh, you know, I'm there. I'm there. And Yoda's speaking to me in the moment. Now, now I'm, I'm, you know, a little more seasoned, and my failures have uh, taken the toll, or my journey's gone a lot of different directions. So now that's why uh, the the Ray side of it, and just seeing, watching it from afar, but also up close, works for me. Yeah, no, I think it's really, really powerful. Um, and, and I think the other uh, part of Geeky Gator's question here about, you know, our own connections to moments, uh, how did that change the way we look at said scenes? I think for me, it just, it, it, it gives them added emotional depth because I'm connecting them mm-hmm. to other parts of my life. And I think it makes me really open to wanting to feel other scenes, right? Wanting mm-hmm. to be open to like, ooh, uh, you know, what is the power of this scene that maybe I'm missing or, or what is the power that maybe somebody else is experiencing? I think connecting to specific moments opens me to wanting to connect to as many moments as possible. Yes. Then you start crying. <laughs> exactly. Uh, great. A uh, two punch of wonderful questions. Thank you so much. We're going to move on to our questions uh, from Patreon. This one comes from our patron, Chris Kiefer. My pandemic purchase was an Xbox, and I have been playing Battlefront 2 and Fallen Order. I love what I refer to as backpack droids, VD-1 and ID-10. I would love to see this in a live-action Star Wars story. I guess this isn't a question, but just tell me I'm not alone (laughs) in my love of these little droids that can slice, scan, fly, and most importantly, zap stormtroopers. No, wait, maybe there is a question. Who would you like to see with a backpack droid? I could totally picture Cassian Andor getting some good intelligence for the Rebels with a backpack droid. This is a great uh, observation, a great sharing, and a great question, Chris. Uh, Ken, do you love the backpack droids? I do. I'm with you, Chris. And Chris is, by the way, the best uh, librarian in the L.A. County area. Uh, he's uh, great. I've uh, participated in some of his Star Wars events at the uh, Chatsworth Library, and I'm right there with you, Chris. The, who, I like a good backpack. I have like four backpacks, Joseph. I use one. But I'll still be in Target and be like, ooh, look at that one. <laughs> so you make it a droid with zapping power, I'm definitely on board for this. Yeah, yeah. I There's a part of me that watches that tool and goes, ooh, man, I would love to have a backpack droid. They're both very, you know, BD-1 in particular, full of personality, right? Yeah, yeah. Super useful. And then I just think, man, I would worry about them constantly. You know, I think oh, yeah. part of it is I just got this new phone. Uh, I ordered <laughs> a case for it and it still hasn't shown up. Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. it's so oh, delicate and that's... slippery and fragile. And it's also like this, it's this high tech thing that can do anything for me. So I picture myself with a backpack droid. I'm like, go do that, but be very careful. Cause yeah. don't crack your screen. That is the worst five to seven business days of your life. 
right? It really is. Yeah. It took me so long to transfer everything to this phone, get it all set up. So that that was my emotional reaction. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of connecting to, to real life, like, yeah, I want a backpack droid mm. if they're super durable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh it, yeah, and I, I, I BD one's great. I love BD one. Uh, ben Burt doing the sounds here, but ID ten. I, I just, I just really do love Iden Versio too. Just to the character and the, and the image of the special, you know, this imperial high, you know, highly trained stormtrooper class, and all of a sudden like this kind of cute killer companion droids with her. It's a, it's a fun visual. Yeah, and the zapping is absolutely great. So, yeah. who do you see in the Star Wars galaxy with a backpack droid uh, on live action screen? Uh, yeah, so. I went with uh, two answers. Well, I'll cheat. One one isn't live action, but uh, could be. You never know. I, I'm really excited for potentially a new character. This is maybe a cheat. A new character, like, say, the Acolyte or some show we haven't yet seen. It might work in Lando. Not with Lando, but, like, another character. Just someone along with, along in that vein, uh, the, the, the diversity of vein. Just some kind of, especially Acolyte. I went to Acolyte because potentially a darker, witchier type of show. And just to have some mythic, baddie that's also got this like hi i'm backpack droid nine like i i want to see that i think it'd be a good spot to just really introduce it uh, with a brand new character yeah yeah i i love that and i thought the same thing of because the, what the acolyte is dealing with from the little bit we know about it could it be like you know a dark bd one <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know having that sort of cute but evil would be not necessarily evil, yeah. uh, but uh, dancing with the dark side, that would be yeah. very interesting. Uh, Cassie Andor is a great choice, especially totally. since it seemed like in his first season that there's no K2SO. What would he use to hack? Uh, very much like kind of little backpack drone droid. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what Mando season three is going to be, uh, but it amused me to think of me ha- uh, to think of Mando having a backpack droid and just kind of resenting it because it's not Grogu. Not Grogu, yeah. <laughs> this poor, you know, especially if it was a charming backpack droid of like, mm-hmm. why, why is uh, Mando so cold, so distant? Like, well, you're not Grogu. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and then my final idea is uh, we sometimes we see Lobot on screen again, and we realize that the whole contraption around his head can uh, disconnect and fly around. Hmm. Okay. I like that. Lawrence. Not quite a backpack droid. <laughs> Back of the head droid. Back of the head droid. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh final one for me. This is my I cheated. I did go animated here. I think because of uh the, the love of, of family connection, empathy for others, and also desire to be uh not on the team, but just be just just proof she's the team. Omega. Uh give Omega a, a droid friend. That hangs oh. out right on top of her bow, where she car- carries the electro bow, bow there in the back. I I think that is not only a good idea, but a good prediction. Oh. I think uh, I think there's some possibilities there. Love it. Excellent. Great, great question, Chris. We're going to move on to our final question from Jonathan Curdy. Jonathan says, "Hey there, Joseph and Ken and Jennifer. Here's a fun question: a series to revisit ever so every so often." Uh, what do you think are the biggest unsolved mysteries in Star Wars right now? Do you want those mysteries explained via official Star Wars storytelling or left mysterious? Do you think those mysteries actually will get explained? Thanks and long love for center. I meant to write long live, but you know, happy accidents, the will of the force. I think it works just fine. (laughs) Well, thank you for the long live and the long love, Jonathan. This is a great question, Ken. And another one uh, where I'm sure that we have a very long list. Yeah, I, yeah, um, oh, yeah, 
I mean, I think we both have the two, the two biggest ones are Snoke, see the origins of, and a little around Anakin's birth, right? Those, those gotta be the two biggest ones. I think the Anakin's birth, I think the other one for me would be clarity on Padme's death. Clarity on Padme's death. Great. That's great. Yeah. So let's dive into those for a moment, but first I just want to, to kind of wrestle with the first part of, uh, the second part of Jonathan's question is, how many of these mysteries are things that you want more storytelling to give clarity to? And how many of these are you like, Hey, the ambiguity is a part of the fun. I want that to stay ambiguous. Yeah, it, it's a mixed match. I'm glad you mentioned the Padme one. Cause I do want that clarity. I do hope EK Johnson touches upon that and provides us with some clarity uh, uh, only because not to correct, correct or f- retcon or fix or anything, those kind of buzzwords, but just to kind of, make the whole thing feel a little better for me. Right. Which mm-hmm. anyway, you slice it. The Padme death uh, doesn't work for, for some to in, in varying degrees of that, but that would work where I could never get one piece of information about Snoke's origins or Anakin's birth. And, and I think I'd pre- be pretty fine. doesn't mean I don't want them specifically some Snoke's. Yeah. I'd like to learn a little bit more, but if I don't get them, it doesn't affect the moments for me. Yeah, I think I'm really feeling this uh, this particular debate lately. There's definitely some things that I'd love fleshed out. And in a massive laundry list, I started writing down, and a lot of them are like, well, that's just future storytelling. Like, yeah. you know, the fate of Grogu and Jason Sindula, that's not a mystery. They just haven't told those stories yet, and someday they will, you know? Right. Uh, and uh, have patience for that. The fate of Ezra, that, that's a story they'll tell someday, all, all those kind of things. Um, but... There's this there's this thing about what is fully explained and what is left up to uh, a little bit of imagination, a little bit of ambiguity, uh, to steal that David Lynch phrase that I've mentioned before, of a room to dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that Filoni does on purpose, uh, yeah. if I'm remembering some of his interviews correctly, around things like the exact nature of the, the wolf uh, that guides Ezra oh, after yeah. Kanan has passed, of like, yeah, that all makes emotional sense. Like, I think most people could watch it and go emotionally, what does this make me feel? Well, it makes me feel that Kanan's still there guiding Ezra up to a point, right? Mm-hmm. But the, like, what force abilities are you using? Is he a ghost? What's that wolf about? Like, that that stuff we don't need. Right. You know, it's almost better to have room to dream, right? Yeah, completely. Um, and I think there are a lot of examples like that in Star Wars. So that that's the interesting part to me is kind of figuring out which... Which things are just like stories that haven't been told yet that probably will be someday. Yeah. Uh, and then things that are kind of mysterious, and I'm happy to leave them that way, or things that are kind of mysterious in a way that I feel like they don't, leaving them mysterious doesn't super serve the character of the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Serving the character. That's an important take on it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing for me with with Padme there is... Um, I cinematically it's it's very beautiful and it works the the mm-hmm. it's the death of Anakin and the death of Padme or the death of Padme and the birth of, of uh, Vader mm-hmm. um kind of being hand in hand uh, but then you got that extra sort of confusion of the uh, medical analysis droid which I, I I choose to just believe like that's not an actual answer that's the thing a droid said when it didn't have a good answer right right. you know like i guess uh, maybe lost the will to live i don't know (laughs) i'm a medical analysis droid uh so that and then the fact that that when she passes she does still have hope all of those things kind of make it um there's there's value in serving the character to me to understand a little bit more Mm -hmm. what the idea is uh so i think that's one that i would be happy to see explored 
in a lot of different ways, but in particular because E.K. Johnson has done such a great job yeah. telling Padme's story that I'm, that feels like there's a, for me, just subjectively, my opinion, there's, I would enjoy that mystery being wrestled with. Mm-hmm. And here's this perfect uh, creator and perfect place to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's a perfect mix for me of, of E.K. as a fan, growing up a Padme fan and wanting to know, maybe even being a little frustrated with this ending and being able to address it, but also being completely aware of the overall Star Wars story, even any cannon walls that you might run up against. I, I think it's a perfect mix, and, and I, I'm excited or hopeful that we'll get something from that. And then the value, you said value. That That's, that's yeah, that's where it lies for me. Yeah, yeah. And then I think for, for me, uh, I know like the Darth uh, Plagueis, I haven't read in a while, but the Darth Plagueis, you know, mm-hmm. EU Legends novel does get into uh, the creation of Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, and, and I enjoyed that, and it was it was fine, and kind of how I imagined it up to a point. But I don't think I need anything more. I think I like a little bit of ambiguity uh, within that. How do you feel about that one? I uh, yeah, I, I love I love it being danced with the the the, the comic uh, that uh, the Vader comic that touched upon it uh, last year or so, mm-hmm. and and spawned all those uh, you know article. You know, Lucasfilm reveals. Nah, they just, you know, they didn't. But um, yeah, I love playing with it. Play with it all day. But yeah, I, I don't, I like that it might be never fully answered. You tell me. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I'm happy with that one being a little ambiguous. The Snoke thing is just fun to me. It's not like I need it in order for like the story to make sense. Because mm-hmm. again, I feel like, well, the emotional truth is there. The thing that matters is Snoke was a puppet of Palpatine. Right. But then it's, I would, just, I think it's fun to dive into. It's like, okay, was he literally just like a meat puppet and yeah. Palpatine's essence is, is in him chatting or did, was Snoke uh, uh, sentient mm. and wasn't aware that he was a puppet or was he like, um, or did he think I, I have this master mm. hiding on Exegol? Um, all those, all that stuff, I think there's, there's room to play with and I just think it would be fun and interesting and, yeah. and it wouldn't, no matter what the answer is, it doesn't super change the big story. It's just fun details. Fun details, right. And coming up next on Four Center Radio, the Meat Puppets and their single backwater. Great stuff. <laughs> uh, I had two other submissions here. Uh, Excellent. These are very important. These are We need the answers, Joseph. Uh, how real was the heat between Qui-Gon and Shmi? I, I'm there for <laughs> I am right there with you, too. And it, yeah. it, we joke about it, but there is also just like this sincere emotional connection. There. Could, yeah, give me a give me like a one act play of of them out on the porch talking about life and, and attachments, heat, you know, they, they can't and they can't consummate. They can't. That's the tension. I, I'd be there for that. A Star Wars one act uh, Qui-Gon Shmi play. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love it. I love it. Uh, and final one is how badly damaged was Princess Leia's clothes uh, when the droids turned up the thermal heater in her chambers in Echo Base? <laughs> what was going on there? Yeah. Did they get evacuated? Yeah. yeah. Is there a cut scene of 3PO just yeah. hauling a bunch of clothes? Yeah. And then because it, <laughs> it's grown up, it's like, it, it, especially at that time, Especially be early in the movie, it's it's Princess Leia, and we've seen her in a lot of gowns, and 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 so I imagine she's got like a Padme like wardrobe, and, and and she potentially did, but uh, but Leia and Empire, she's like I got boots, pants, and a blaster. Let's go. Can't imagine <laughs> you know too many Bespin like gowns are in there. Yeah, I have everything I need. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think a couple for me that are you know there are mysteries where I feel like I the story would be rewarding, and I think we will get someday. Uh, partially because we've been talking a lot about Mandalore and the Mandalorian uh, era mm. uh, of of storytelling, 
the clarity on the purge of Mandalore, because I really feel like there is this great story where we left off in Rebels, uh, where Bo-Katan's got the Darksaber and the intent is to resist the Empire. And then, you know, we've, we've been hearing that, oh, no, the planet is decimated. You can't live there. Oh, no, that's just what people want you to think. Like, uh, we know that the the uh, the Empire, just as it turned into the Empire from the Republic at the end of the Clone Wars, we know they had a presence. We know they, mm-hmm. you know, uh, subjugated Mandalore then. But then I think there's this other larger event uh, during the height of the Empire that I would love to know more about that. Mm, that's, a good, that's a great one. Yeah, and I, I think we're we're getting to it, you know, uh, eventually in this big story that's being spun out on Disney Plus. And the other one for me uh, uh, that I would love to see is the construction of the Skywalker blade. Um, yeah. there, that that blade is so important to the story, and I think there's so it, it, it's such interesting possibility of storytelling of you know what did Anakin go through uh, to build that. Uh, Kristen Baver has a great idea in. Uh, her book, The Skywalker Family Biography, that Anakin built it as a, knowing that the Clone Wars are here and he built it as a weapon of war to fight a battle. And that's a really neat idea. Um, but And I love that she gives that interpretation of, you know, Anakin's thoughts in his intent in building it. But I just think there's room for a really interesting adventure of, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it's not just like, yeah, I ordered the pieces on Amazon, <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's got to go through something, you know? And was Obi-Wan involved at all, you know? Or was it a journey just for Anakin? Was Padme involved in anything? Uh, so I'm really, uh, that just f- feels like such a great bit of story. And uh, utterly, utterly wild speculation, but responsible, because I'll let it go if it doesn't happen. I, I would love there to be a flashback of that in, Obi- in the Obi-Wan show. Mm, that's a great place to put it. Yeah. That's great. So just a few mysteries. Any more mysteries for you? Uh, n- not not today, but more to come. <laughs> more mysteries to come. Uh, I'm sure every Star Wars fan has their list of mysteries. They are intrigued by a great question. Jonathan, Chris, Geeky, and Ross, thank you very much. Those are our questions, Ken. Those are our questions. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks for listening. But hey, before we leave, let me tell you where you can find us. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on a lot of different spots, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. We have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash center, And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash center. Uh, again, uh, newly stocked up on the top tier. If you support at the top tier, you get an exclusive set of trading cards with me, Joseph, and Jennifer. Uh, you can follow me at Kenapsock or go to kenapsock.com. Uh, like I said, up top of the show, be performing stand-up comedy with Mark Ellis and Daniel Bridge-Gad. At the El Corazon Theater in the uh, Seattle area, you can get tickets uh, by uh, clicking the links on my website at catnapsock.com. We always like to highlight charities and uh, causes and uh, real-world stuff to get behind. And, well, it's uh, it's hot out there. It's dry out there. And, unfortunately, we are heading and kind of already in uh, wildfire season out here in uh, the West and, and a lot of other parts of the world, to be clear. But I uh, personally support something every year called the California Fire Foundation at cafirefoundation.org, nonprofit 501c organization that provides emotional and financial assistance to the families of fallen firefighters, firefighters in the communities they protect. It's a, it's a big thing uh, for me uh, and uh, something I do. You can also find one that's maybe more specific to your region. And Joseph. 
Uh, that is a great thing to support. I, I support the support of that. Uh, for myself, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok as at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out uh, my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all of my other adventures. If you are an MCU fan, uh, on my other podcast, Obsessed, my wife and I just had a big conversation about Black Widow. So if you're interested, you can check that out. There are links to Obsessed on my website. Again, that's josephscrimshaw.com. Uh, in the service, uh, the uh, call that I would like to continue to support is something called Vote Forward. It is a service where you write letters uh, to uh, voters, convincing them to vote uh, and encouraging them, not convincing them, really encouraging them uh, to use their power and let their voice be heard. If you're interested in finding out more about that, they've got a big campaign going on right now, and you can go to their website, uh, votefwd.org. Do it, my friends. Do it. All right. Big episode. A lot of fun questions. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you uh, down the line or uh, this week for the Race to Crash Point Tower review. We'll see you next time. This was Force Center. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.